Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for his grace, and we thank you for uh, the ways that uh, you've taken care of us and provided for us uh, all during the last year. And so I just pray for our unity. Um, I pray as we're uh, coming back that you would continue the great work uh, that you've been doing uh, in and through us. So again, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for his grace. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you guys as we get started uh, this morning, um, what are some places that are kind of sacred to you? Uh, when you think about like a, a sacred space or a sacred place, what, what does that mean to you? For me, um, there's a couple places that immediately come to mind. One is our, uh, the place that we go to in Michigan uh, every summer. It just represents family and food and familiar places and water and relaxation. And that, that's why we do it every single summer because we love all of those things. And that place, when we go and we get out of the car and the kids get out of the car, we're like, this place is just kind of sacred uh, to us. Uh, for, one, for us, another one is, is home. Like we've noticed that when we are traveling and we've been away from home for quite a while, like when we get home, even our kids, there's this kind of sigh of, oh man, we're, we're home. And we walk in the door and everybody kind of goes to their favorite place in the home. You know, Sam goes to the Lego table and you know, Lila goes and gets her stuff in and we just start chilling out. That It's good to be home. For, for another place for me is our church. Uh, that uh, I, You've heard me talk about this before, but I am not a big music person. And so when I'm traveling around in my car, I'm not listening to music. I'm listening to people talk. It's uh, kind of a preacher nerd thing in me, but uh, I just don't listen to a ton of music. So for me, when I'm traveling, it is really hard for me at, when I'm a guest at a church to engage in the worship service, the musical portion of the service. But when I'm home and at my home church and kind of with my people, uh, I can go deep into worship. It's such a relational thing for me. So for me, it's also our church. And when I think about what, what's true for me, and this is probably true for you as well, when, a, when I consider a place to be sacred, it's probably because it's tied to some relationship, someone I love and someone I care about. It's not just that the place is sacred, it's that the people around me, I love them, I care for them, they, they are my people. The relationships make the place sacred. And that's really true in, in what we're going to talk about today. So I want you to hold on to that. Um, we're going to uh, be in Acts chapter 2 today, and here's how the text begins. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they, meaning the early church, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Lib uh, Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Good question, right? Some, however, made fun of them and said, no, they've just had too much wine. All right. 
Peter will get up later and say, yeah, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. We're, we're not drunk, all right? Um, it, it's the Holy Spirit's work. But I want you to kind of focus in on that one phrase, that they're all together in one place, all together in one place. And at this point, uh, the text is identifying a location that the church uh, was, uh, was not a large group at this point. This church, uh, the Bible tells us, they numbered about 120 or so, about 120 people or so. And they're in this one place when the spirit does this amazing work and he comes with tongues of fire and this violent wind begins to blow. And there were people in Jerusalem, the text says that there were people from Jerusalem all over the world. They were there for the festivals and they began to gather around this one place uh, because apparently it was a sight to see. And they start to hear, I believe, and the text doesn't say this, but this is just what I believe. They start to hear the truth about Jesus being declared in their own language. And then Peter gets up and he gives the first official sermon. He shares about Jesus. And about 3,000 people were added to that 120. 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Now consider that just for a moment. 120 is about the size of our church, uh, of, a, of a regular attendance. Imagine next Sunday, 3,000 additional people showing up. Uh, uh, you clap, but the parking would be a real issue. <laughs> I, I, I bet you wouldn't be clapping when you tried to find a parking spot, all right? Uh, 3,000 additional people, and they're wanting to be baptized, and their lives, and their marriages, and their futures are being changed. It is possible that we would have to leave 1306 North Stanley. I don't know that for sure, but, but it, it's possible. But here's what I know is true. Those of you that were in the room today, all right, this number, we'll say we're, average, we're totaling about 100 people today, that you, next Sunday, when there's 3,100 people here, you would never, ever forget what God did in this space. Even if someday we had to leave 1306 North Stanley and find a, a bigger piece of property or whatever, you'd never forget it. This space and this place would become sacred to you. Because of what God did, because of the miraculous thing uh, God did in our midst, and I want to go back to the beginning of the text. Think about the one space that they're all in in the beginning. And I have to believe that whatever that place was, whatever that space was, that the amazing thing the Spirit did, the amazing thing that God did in their midst, that that place, whatever that place was, it became special, sacred, seared in their memory. I wonder if the early apostles, when they came back to Jerusalem for business or uh, for vacation or whatever, I wonder if they visited that place, if they visited that space, because this was the space. This was the place where God did something amazing in their midst. Here's the truth. Location matters, right? We sometimes are quick uh, to, to make comments like, man, space doesn't matter at all. The building's too important to the church. And that might be true. Maybe it's too important. But I also think it's incorrect to say places and spaces don't matter at all. You probably remember the place you were in when you first decided to follow Jesus. You were sitting in that old dusty pew in that country church and you heard the truth about Jesus and you decided to be baptized. You were sitting around a rickety table kind of talking to your parents uh, at the house about Jesus and they led you into a relationship with Christ. You were walking through the woods and you remember the place. You remember the space. You probably remember uh, the space that you brought your kids home to. We would love to have more square footage. Uh, Cheryl and I would. 
But the thought of leaving the place, of leaving the space that we brought our kids home to, it is difficult to think about, even though we'd like another five, 600 square feet, right? Leaving that place because we all know spaces matter. Places matter. And it's where we brought, it's the home we brought our kids home to. You probably remember the place or the space where you uh, proposed to your wife or the place where you made a major life decision. And today is Pentecost Sunday. It is a day where we remember when the believers were all in one place and the Spirit did this amazing work in that place and in that space and on that day. And today is the day that after a year of COVID shenanigans, right? Today is the day we are gathered back together in one place, in one space. And listen, I more than anyone, I know this is just a place. I know it. This is just a room. It's just a room. I know that. But I have been thinking a lot and praying about the decisions that are going to be made in this room as we move forward. The people in this room that will give their life to Christ. The people in this room that will decide to go into ministry the people that will experience healing in their marriages, that will reconcile back their wayward children. And here's what I know. This space will become sacred to someone. And just like everything else, we know that it's sacred because of the relationships. The relationship they have with God and how it was in this place that God did this work in in their heart and in their mind or the relationship they have with somebody else, how God used that person to reach them or encourage them or help them pick up the broken pieces of their life. It's in a certain place and a certain time that God is gonna work. And I know that places are going to become sacred, special, unique. And it's because of the relationships. You know, what what the other unfortunate truth is, sometimes places become less sacred because of relationships. This is some of your story. Some of you, some of your story is like, man, I gave up on church. I was done with church. I was done with Jesus. Jesus seemed cool, but I just, I couldn't take the believers, right? Somebody hurt me. Somebody said something to me. Somebody, uh, just, uh, uh, I had an experience that scarred me. Some negative thing happened, not with God, but one of his followers. And that place, you left that place. It became less sacred to you also because of the relationships. And because we want God to move in this place, it is so important that we be unified on our love for God, that it's in this place. If God's gonna move in this place, it will be because we're focusing on on him and and worshiping him and our love for one another because God often uses other people to reach us. Now, the the end of the second chapter of Acts is really interesting because like I said, the church was 120 people at the beginning of Acts of two, and by the end of Acts two, they're 3,120, right? Trying to make sure to do the math, all right? And the church is described again at the end of the book of Acts, chapter 2, and they've outgrown the space now, but we find out at the end that they are still together and God is still at work. Look at this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders, signs, uh, wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And look at verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church is still together. 
Now, by the end of Acts 2, it's not describing like it was at the beginning, a, a physical space, although the temple court is mentioned. I think by the end of chapter 2, it's describing more of an attitude, a spiritual attitude that while they had grown, they were still together with God and with each other, and God was working through their togetherness, that they were all together on the apostles' teaching, that they gathered together in homes, and they were just eager to hear a message from God's word. They were eager to hear a life-changing message of, of what God wanted to communicate to them. They were all together on fellowship that they were uh, socializing together and they were encouraging one another and they were able to do that because they were in each other's lives. It wasn't just an hour on Sunday. It was a regular pattern of seeing each other and being together and encouraging one another because they knew each other. They were all together on praising God. They said, man, when we gather together, we are gonna lift the name of Jesus high. We are gonna praise his name. And it was one of their highest priorities. They were all together on generosity. That when someone was in need, when somebody in the community was in need, the church gathered their resources together and they absolutely served and met that need. They were all together. The Bible says, Lord, the Lord added to their number daily. You know, there's always a lot of conversation. And I, I read a lot of these books about like what the church should be doing. Like, what is the next program that we need to do to experience growth? You know, offer this class or offer this ministry or offer this resource and, and all that. You know what the early church's plan and program was? Together. Together. As if we're going to seek God together. We're, we're going to stay unified. We're going we're to uh, long to hear from his word. We're going to fellowship. We're going to praise. We're going to practice generosity. And we are going to do it together. And so while we tend to favor programs over unity, a reading of the New Testament would demonstrate that the advice to the local church again and again and again is, hey, whatever happens, be together. Yeah, start new programs, do new things, try, try different avenues to, to reach new people, but always, always, always make sure you are together. And so today we come back together as one. We do, and this space, man, I've been praying about this a lot. This space will become sacred to someone. I know it will. Not because the space is sacred, because what God did here is sacred and people are going to give their lives to Christ and see marriages restored and receive back their wayward children and the space will become sacred. But it will become sacred if we're together on what matters most. If we're pointing people to Jesus, if we're loving each other well, if we are together, the spirit will move. The spirit moves through togetherness. The spirit will move and lives will be changed and it will be amazing to watch. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. And uh, right now, as uh, we're excited about having come back together, um, right now we want to pray for our togetherness, that we would be uh, focused on you above all, and that we would love one another well. Um, second to that, that we would love you and love our neighbor, uh, and that, that those would be our priorities, and that we would be uh, together and unified and not distracted uh, and that um, lives would be changed and that spaces would become sacred, not because they're special, but because of what you've done. But we know it's only going to happen if we remain focused on you. So right now as we receive communion together, um, the early church considered this one of the 
great kind of unifying moments in a church service when everybody said the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing. And we are together on that. Bless our time, Lord. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's receive communion together, an act of unity. It's uh, under your chair. And uh, we just want to remember that he came and he lived a perfect life and he died for our salvation. And our eyes want to remain focused on him and on his work. And when our eyes remain focused on him, uh, we remain unified. We, we become unified when our eyes remain focused on him. It's always a, an exercise that I would walk couples through in pre-marriage counseling is, you know, you have the man and the woman, they're here. And as they're both seeking after Jesus, they get closer to each other uh, as they pursue Jesus at the top. And the same is true for the church. As we pursue him, we become more and more unified. So let's receive communion together. His body given for you. His blood poured out. May our eyes remain focused on our Savior. May we love one another well, and may the Spirit do a work in our church to change and transform lives and draw people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm glad you were here. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we are uh, going to have another kind of standalone message on, on remembrance and the importance of remembrance. And uh, so I'm excited to have you back.